Rachel Morgan. Hi, I'm Corey Kraft. And this is Side Talks. Uh, this is Side Talks Live. Yeah, and what is Side Explosion Talks? Explosion sound effect. Um, this is uh, the Sidewalk Film Festival's uh, podcast that we record uh, very, very frequently to talk about all things cinema. Now that we, you know, have all a things cinema. cinema. That's what I do right there. Do y'all like that? Um, yeah, this is so weird. We're in chairs, not on stools. Right. We're not, you know, we're not like glaring at each other. From across a room. Right. Yeah. They put us in separate rooms for the last argument, which I think was smart because it was once upon a time in Hollywood and it got real nasty. Yeah. And Corey, Corey laid out on the ground. I collapsed as I, as I on the actual floor and banged my head against the ground. Kyle because, has a roaming mic. Because you want, you want, Rachel, Rachel, do you want to see a photograph Sam, of it? Yeah, no, there are photos. <laughs> yeah. Kyle has a roaming mic. Everybody watch out. <laughs> Rachel and Sam, spoiler alert for an episode that has not come out yet, are so wrong about that movie. Both That's of so them. so sad. Look how sad. Yeah, yeah, but they look are. Look sad, Corey. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. That's Corey. It's a masterpiece. Great movie. Thank you, Kyle. I felt really bad for you, Corey. We promised you. Are there? Oh, there's children. Hey, young folks in the room, put your hands over your ears right now. It's called earmuffs. Put them right over there. We promised you guys a shit show, and you're getting it right now. Right now. Um, Did we I'm sorry, that? y'all. Okay. So, yes. Let's do a five minute. That's we start out with a five minute fight. Okay. Um, so let's do it. A so five minute fight. Sam is not here. He's usually our. our is that, a, is that a cheer for no Sam? <laughs> he'll love that. <laughs> Boo Sam. He'll listen to this one day and he'll, he'll hear that. Um, Sam's not here, so all of you are going to have to help decide the winner of this five-minute fight. All right, I have the stopwatch ready so we can have okay. an actual five-minute fight. And then y'all be thinking about the fact that I've won and get ready to come up here and yes, call that. Yes, please do thing. think about that. So, okay, so don't start it yet, but okay. what are we arguing about? We're going to argue about Matt Damon. Let's do oh, that first. gross. Start it. Go. Okay, uh, he's good. He's not good. Okay, argument <laughs> over. Uh, no, um, why, why do you think he's not good besides the fact, I don't know, that you have a weird Okay, thing. so first and foremost, he looks like Silly Putty. So what? So, yeah. yeah he's an actor. He you, I mean, we can judge people on their looks if they're actors, right? Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yes my no. wife in the audience. I mean, they... they People get cast because their looks. Anyway, he looks like Silly Putty. That's, you know what, fine. Is if that he... reason enough, though? No, like, is it's that not. What you're, hanging it's, your you're right. On? It's actually not reason enough. I'm going to give you some more reasons. Okay. I'm tired of his smug little ass. His little, like, it's the same character all the time. My parents are here. Hi. Um, he, he has a smug little ass. He's annoying. He's. Uh, him and the other thing is it's not just Matt Damon it's like you can't just have Matt Damon it's Matt and Ben Matt and Ben Matt and Ben well not anymore I mean it's not 2002 mm. anymore they were sold to us as a package unit yeah but get out of 1997 <laughs> and then, I can't I can never get past it He's not good in... What is he good in, Corey? What I has can, he been good at? I can pull at? up his IMDb right now if well, you but would like. Well, you, yeah, oh, that's, that gracious. seems like cheating. I mean, that oh, is like, this audience hostile to me in my <laughs> argument? How about that? Who would have ever guessed? Corey, focus. Focus. What is he good at? Okay. Um, when he writes on the invisible chalkboard and, and that... What is it? The, the math no movie? The good math movie? Hunting? Goodwill Hunting. Invisible Well, you know what? I'm the clear, the transparent. Tra- I, I haven't seen sleep. that movie in a while, well, but it, what? It's bad. Okay. It's well, not good. Sure. I like Gus Van Zandt. That's not a good film. Okay. Uh, What's he good in? Soderbergh's The Informant. He's really good in that. He's really funny in that. 
No, wait, nobody. Okay. Wait, are this, you... this is how I thought this would go. So Matt um, Damon's been funny before? Yeah, he's really funny That's in the Coen's weird. True Grit, uh, which mm. is a great movie and a great performance that he gives. Um, what else? I mean, he's just a fun like movie star presence in a lot of fun movie star movies. This is movies. so weird. Wait, is it is this like what happened with Crash? Like, is there another Matt Damon? <laughs> That's that a, that's I don't an know about. Like, to a thing that Rachel got wrong on another podcast. Oh, here Not we a big go. deal. We don't, have to, we don't have to get into it. I don't want to embarrass her on stage. Um, <laughs> other than by making this argument, uh, which is that Matt Damon is good, he's good in, in The Martian. That's a movie star movie that hangs on that one performance. Uh, I think he's so dull. I think he's so dull. He's so cardboard. He looks like Silly Putty. The Bourne movies are boring. Oh, no, they're not either. Well, most of them Most of them are very boring. No, 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 no. no. The first three really great Bourne movies are really great. And And you know, know, maybe I could say this. Here's the problem. Maybe they would be if it wasn't for him. He seems so pedestrian. Mm-hmm. He really does. He's he's just like a like I said like silly putty. I'm not I don't I'm not believing anything you say right now. Like I don't think there's one single example that you've given that anybody feels excited about. You know, every I think everything he's in is like the the most exciting thing he ever did was date Winona Ryder. Did he date Winona Ryder? Yes, he yeah, did. Yeah, that's, that's news. So there you go. Most excited. That's the that all of, everybody's been asleep until I said that. That's the most exciting thing he's done. <laughs> Cuz he's boring. Um, you know, I I heard my, claps just now. Yeah, claps. well, fine. Uh, oh, did I lose? Just okay. keep scrolling through an IMDb page. People love oh, listen I, to that. I told you. I mentioned this pre-show. The talented Mr. Ripley, his best performance. The, That's the a talented great movie. Mr. Ripley is not a bad film. He can have one performance. He's allowed one performance. Oh, thank he, you. That's because generous. Because it's the same performance in every film. So pick which one you like, and we stick with it, and everything else goes away. But you don't you don't think that there is a considerable range and difference between him and that movie, and him and the informant, and him and the oceans movies? I don't. He's like I, a giant I scoop I of vanilla ice disagree. cream in a bowl. I completely disagree with that. I think that he is. <laughs> I think that he is a very uh, talented performer who gives a lot of you know varied and interesting performances. Yes, he has in recent years sort of fallen back on that movie star persona thing, and I get like why you wouldn't like that because no, has he challenged himself in the way that he did early in his career lately? So Not wait, really. so you're saying he challenged himself? Yeah, yeah, I where, think he did where? In, in Goodwill Hunting, which okay might not be a movie you like. The talented Mr. Ripley. I think Saving Private Ryan, he gives a pretty effective performance. Coming in late in that movie, and this is a future fight. Um, And coming in late in that movie and sort of. Boring everybody, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, she doesn't like Tom Hanks either, and we've already had that argument, so I don't foresee this. Uh, You know, this is the most boring argument we've ever ever had because of who it's about. Fortunately, we're taking down to the end. That's five minutes. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and put me out of my misery here. Who wants to come up and judge this? Who's, Would my wife I mean, or mom on. like to come up here? My mom's coming. That seems really unfair, mom. That seems really unfair. So, Mika, get up here. You were very vocal. I'm just saying, Which is? My mom's saying that, that Corey left out his best performance. What is it? Oh, it was an SNL sketch. Thank you, mom. Thank you, Mom. She just won that for me. His best performance was on SNL. As Sam would say, 2,000 points to Rachel's mom. Anybody want to come up and judge this? Lisa Easterling, get up here. Just come on. Yes, you can do it. Okay, I'll come to you then. Here we go. This is, what, this is a traveling microphone. Lisa, you, just judge it. Just go ahead and call it. 
I feel a lot of pressure with this decision. Okay, I will say, I whispered to Tone during this, and I said, when he hosted SNL last year, that was a really good episode. So, and that was even separate from the Brett Kavanaugh moments that he was popping in and out for. That was the whole episode. I thought it was solid. I enjoyed it. I laughed. It was a Christmas episode. It was warm. I see the vanilla. I get it. I see that. But people like vanilla. There's a lot of normies in the world, and they're okay with that. They feel safe. Vanilla's a flavor. Give us your thoughts. Vanilla, vanilla is a flavor. It's like, it's the most basic flavor, but it's like base flavor. He is like corn fed, like he's the man next door. He's not the boy next door. He's just that man that lives across the street. That's who he is. And sometimes and it, you want vanilla beating somebody's ass with a rolled up magazine like in the Born Ultimatum. It rules. Yeah, but you, Yeah, they're good. Yeah, shaky cam though. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just like he's super basic. He's just like base model. He's like nothing. He's he's boring. No, no, he's he's boring and like basic and yeah, Rachel wins. Well, he's not interesting. I mean, can you can you he's imagine? A Toyota Corolla. <laughs> he is definitely. Lisa says he's a Toyota Corolla, and I agree. I drive a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, Side Talks Live, the last Side Talks event. Oh, well, this is definitely... Look at the poor dudes from Batwell in the back that are like... <laughs> yes, thank oh, you for man. having patience for this. <laughs> um, okay, so what are we doing now? Let's, uh, this is where we, like, we're usually slating things, and we yeah. have a little bit of in-between time to like take a minute, but we'll just keep on moving, and let's well, talk about, like, what are you watching? Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure we've got a lot more to argue about um, coming up. But uh, what have I been watching? Well, not a lot, as you can imagine. Uh, over the past uh, few weeks, we got all of our sidewalk programming work done, and then you know it was kind of like, uh, movies, do I like them anymore? Yeah, they're good, right? So, so I kind of snuck away from sidewalk earlier this week. I won't say particularly when, to, but, but I wanted to go to uh, another cinema to see a new release. Uh, called Ready or Not, which is a new horror movie um, that opened this past Wednesday. And it rules! It's so good! It's the biggest surprise I've had in a cinema in a long time. Um, It is uh, a very violent uh, horror comedy uh, about a woman who marries into a rich family, and on the wedding night they have a tradition, they play a game. Uh, but the game that they randomly select this time, Hide and Seek, seek has deadly consequences. So it's like a You're Next or The Stranger's style, uh, stalking a single person through a big gothic mansion uh, with a lot of um, violence and funny jokes. It's, it also has a social commentary that reminded me of, of Get Out, um, because, I mean, the thesis is that rich people are weird and bad and may have uh, acquired their wealth uh, through a literal and or figurative pact with the devil, um, and it rules. It's just one of the most entertaining uh, movies I've seen in a long time. So um, if you're into horror or comedy or a combination, check it out. Cool. Well, that's what uh, I think you said that you think I'm going to like this you're one. You're going to like it. It's not going to be an argument probably in our future. Um, well, what I've been watching is a whole lot of sidewalk movies and a whole lot of emails. I've been watching emails, emails lots and of spreadsheets. Slack. Slack. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah Slack, Slack channels. 
Um, so I haven't really seen, honestly, I really haven't seen anything, you know, substantial since our last podcast. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I've been, you know, I edited together the sort of the Saturday morning cartoons thing like I do every year. And I edit together for the first time this 80s music video block. And then I actually sat through the film last night, which is I Want My MTV. Yeah. And it was so different to see it with an audience than it was to have watched it on my laptop at 3 a.m. Um, and that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I've just been like, almost like time traveled back to the 80s, watching music videos and editing. It's also different to sort of, you spend so much time editing, you know, something like that together, this sort of block of just classic videos with uh, commercials and promos and all the stuff. You spend so much time doing that, you feel it's like experiential. And so, you know, I feel like super transported back in a particular way. And I told Kyle, I was like, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but I was like, this has been such a like learning experience to put it together in a particular way because just sort of discovering what content's out there, kind of going through it and being like, I remember this, I don't remember this, this is such a challenge to my memory to like place myself where this would have happened, you know, being sort of a child of MTV. But in addition to that, just sort of like re rewatching things that are, you know, I haven't seen in years, it's super weird and really kind of neat in a particular way. Yeah. Um, Time is a funny thing, and that's sort of what I've been contemplating a little bit. And then that was a fun thing to experience with everybody last night because you've got people from all different generations in the room. Um, some people who are having like a very nostalgic experience, but some people who are like, you know, having like, what? This is so weird. And you get both of those reactions of like, what is this? And, you know, stuff that seemed totally normal to me, but it's nostalgic is like so strange to other people. So that's sort of an experience that's very unique of having a lot of that over the last 24 hours. Yeah, you know, that film describes an era that is completely unfamiliar to me. Yeah. Um, and, and seeing it with a crowd, and I didn't stay for the whole thing. I kind of walked around and, and paced because I can't sit still during sidewalk opening night. I just can't sit and do mm -hmm. anything. But, but hearing the audience just roar with laughter at things that, you know, when I watched it, I was like, okay, yeah, this you know, fun, kind of breezy, entertaining MTV doc, but, you know, to watch it with a crowd that has such a personal connection to it and, and remembered it, remembered it all, was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's meta because, like, you know, Alan's up there, and I will say that having Alan here, he came, I think he wasn't necessarily going to do this originally, um, and I kind of tried to, like, maybe he shouldn't come to the classic music video block because I put a lot of, like, I'm sort of searching for Alan's, like, not necessarily his best moments for everybody's <laughs> enjoyment. Poor Alan. Um, but anyway, so, you know, seeing him sort of experience the film last night and look at himself, you know, that many years ago, and then, you know, he, I think he had a good experience last night, so he came and introduced the music video block today with me. And, you know, he started to leave, and I had flagged him down for something else, and he saw himself on the screen and was like, oh, wait, I'm, I think I'm going to stay for one minute because this is super weird, you know? And so seeing sort of Alan experience that, and um, I hope I'm not like telling on him when I say this, but he also like is not going to listen to his podcast, so I think we're good. Um, and that is that he sort of like sent me an e sent me and um, Kyle and Chloe an email last night, pretty late, that was like, "Boy, I, I did not prepare at all for what that experience was going to be, and I want you to know like how grateful I am and how wonderful it was, and how you know it's just sort of like I didn't hadn't thought through it." of what that was going to be like. And I think it was, you know, I, knowing Alan is sort of a, you know, the, the sort of personality that he is, is very similar to what you see, you know, in, in those clips um, from MTV. And I, it's, it's unique to hear that from him. So I think he was probably pretty, pretty moved by the experience of 
looking back and sort of being in the present. Yeah. Which is cool. Cool. So that's what I'm watching. Well, are there any other festival recommendations that you want to make going into this evening and tomorrow? Not that the listeners will benefit from that. Yeah, at all, I mean, you know, I'm saying the same ones over and over again because yeah, they're too. all good, but I'm super psyched about that Greener Grass trailer that just came out. Yeah, Has, is that movie screening now? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. oops. Whoops. Oh, good choice, everybody. Um, <laughs> but we are going to bring it back for a week round at the cinema, at the cool. sidewalk cinema. Yeah, good. So that'll make it really especially relevant. And it's actually going to have a big, I think it's not even really coming out until like November, right? Is that uh, the deal? Mid-October. Mid-October? Yeah. Um, I'm so happy to have a trailer, though, because trying to describe that film to other people has been something else. Yeah. So the trailer really sums it up, and I think that that's a really, you know, that's a great recommendation to sort of uh, clearly, I mean, you could get up and leave right now and go there, sure. But um, you could also wait and watch it a little later. So. Sure. Um, yeah, and likewise, uh, the trailer that we showed last night in front of opening night for In Fabric. Um, Played really is, well. Yeah, that's a difficult movie to explain as well. And the trailer doesn't even really do it justice because there's some surprises in that movie that the trailer obscures uh, without giving too much away. Um, that movie's, uh, well, as stylish and as wild as the trailer makes it appear and goes to even, like, crazier places. That's, I think, uh, and I don't want to speak for Kyle, who just got back, but I feel like that is um, one of all of our favorite movies of the festival. Word. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. In fabric, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, too. <laughs> I mean, that should go without saying. Yeah, that was super cool, too. It was just, like, um, Scream Queens, the documentary Scream Queens, and having Mark Patton present the other night was, um, like, dream come true kind of level for me. He was so wonderful on stage. We did two back-to-back Q&As with him, and it was... I really could have... I would have been happy just to let those go as long as he possibly wanted. Yeah, You sure. genuinely are just sitting in the corner in the darkness, huh? I like Indeed. it so much. This is this needs to happen every time. I also just like Kyle's ability to kind of chime in. Because usually I see him through the glass, kind of like, you know, waving or whatever, jumping up and down. Yeah, or, or the, you know... Like we, Hannibal they Lecter. Cut in, they <laughs> yeah, cut into the booth in, in Boutwell, and, and there's always some sort of, like, baffled exclamation that's just captured very in a very sort of tiny sound, which is always enjoyable. Well, hey, Corey, you know what it's time for? I'm afraid to ask. What's this shit? She, okay. So I'm so, on the treadmill. Um, so if you have not listened to the podcast, and who could blame you? Um, uh, the, the segment that, that Rachel is, is describing is uh, one that tests my weird IMDb brain, um, which... You know, my mom and wife are here, as they can confirm. I have a weird IMDb brain and have kind of like, <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. Um, yeah, and, and I kind of always have. And so Rachel is about to try to describe um, a movie to me, and I'm going to try to guess what that movie is based on um, vague and or sometimes misleading descriptions. So yeah. let's hear it. This one's going to be really, really vague. So I'm doing it again. Will you sing it this time, please? No. What's this shit? That's I couldn't. So I'm at this. Well. I'm on the tread. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the screen, and I have very little for you to go by. Not because I didn't take. I like. I was really thinking about this one and really jotting it down mentally while I'm on the treadmill, but. So time has passed now, and I feel brain dead at this moment. Um, so I've got very little to go on, and yet I still think you're going to get it. Because there is the very annoying face of somebody we probably could have argued about 
Will Smith. Okay. Which I'm already like, I'm putting my headphones in. I'm going to listen to Sade while I'm on this treadmill. I'm not going to listen to the sound of Will Smith's voice. I cannot stand him. Um, Sorry, I know that's an unpopular sort of take, a hot take, Um, but it is my take on it. So anyway, there's Domino's. Do you know it already? Yeah. Oh, do y'all see how gross this is? Like this is a, and at first I'm like, ooh, I think those dominoes are in sidewalk colors. They're like black, yeah, you know, like yeah. whatever, black and yellow, whatever. They're pretty. And then there's like a big domino thing that happens. And yeah. I, I did have the thought when I was watching it, I would be willing to bet, based on Will Smith being in this film and the other little bit of stunt casting that I saw, that the domino sequence that it goes through is the coolest moment in the whole film. Just dominoes, to- like tossing over is probably better than anything else that's going to happen for the so, next 90 minutes. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, especially if I'm correct. So did you also see the faces of like Edward Norton and Kira Knightley and Helen I Mirren? Did. And I did. And then I was like, is that Kira Knightley or is that Natalie Portman? So hard to tell unless they speak. You know, <laughs> uh, in fact, Kira Knightley, uh, here's, here's some other weird IMDb brain trivia. Um, one of her first film appearances was as one of uh, Queen Padme Amidala's handmaidens slash decoys in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. You're welcome, everybody. Oh, boy. Also, like, I like to refer to Ed Norton as Courtney Love's ex-boyfriend. So I Did prefer that, that to his name. So I have IMDb brain, you have Us Weekly brain. Uh, that's probably fair. That's probably actually really fair. Um, I'm not sure, though, which one's better. So, so can I, I well you're, you're about to be like understandably upset by what I'm about to say I know the movie Rachel that you Soul. are describing and I haven't even seen it wait how do you how is that possible I don't know so what is it <laughs> it's Collateral Beauty from a few years ago a Christmas release with Will Smith one of those um, uh, attempted like Collateral Beauty sappy drama sort of I, I highly, highly, highly prescribe you to watch that movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Uh, I hear it's, it's insane. Terrible. I'm okay. For that okay. reason. I mean, I'm sorry. I know, I, you know, hate watching is, is kind of passe, but this is, if, if you want one that'll be like a grand slam, this is one. Okay. Or that Will Smith movie, Seven Pounds. Seven or, Pounds, I have seen. I that think movie it might be by the same writer or director, possibly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Highly recommend it. Fool me once, your, your right? Brain like, will pop. Jeez. Yeah. So you got it. You're back on top of your game. You'd been off your game for a minute or two, mostly because of my really bad descriptions. But this is about as weak as it gets with me just saying Will Smith dominoes. Well, okay. One and thing is the, the domino motif was all over the trailers, oh. probably because that was the only visually interesting thing in the movie. So I remember I seeing the trailer that. over and over and over again in like 2017 or whenever that movie was about to come out. Uh, with like Tandy Newton whispering something, um, maybe that was the same year as Moonlight too, because I think she was, you know, she got an Oscar nomination for Moonlight and then was in Collateral Beauty, and she, I think she was like, eh, you know, right. don't, don't judge me on that. It's you know, it's a paycheck. Well, I'm glad that you got it. That worked out. The <laughs> yeah, dude, I will say, the dude on the tread next to me seemed to really be enjoying it. Like he was kind of smiling a little bit and was really basking in the glow of Ed Norton. And, um, yeah, he liked it. Can I just take a moment to describe the plot of Seven Pounds while we're all here? Does anybody know what this movie is? Have you seen it? It has a big spoiler at the end, but I think it's okay. Oh, I'm about to spoil it. (laughs) It's 
spoiler alert. So this is a movie where Will Smith is he, he is mysteriously doing like acts of kindness for a bunch of different strangers, uh, like Rosario Dawson and Woody Harrelson. Like it's it's another stunt casting thing. And the whole movie, you're like, why is he doing this? Well, he had some sort of... And Kyle, you might remember the details better than me because I only saw this movie once because that was more than enough. Um, me too. There was, there was, he, he's feeling guilty about something that he did in his past and is trying not only to make up for it, but here's the thing. <laughs> I can't believe this is the plot of an actual movie, first of all. He is, he's like trying to do these acts of kindness for these five people who each need an organ transplant. Well, he intends to gift them his organs after he takes his own life. And he does this. You're kidding. He does this by putting a jellyfish in a bathtub and getting in the bathtub with a jellyfish. And the jellyfish stings him to death. And the happy ending of this movie is that dead Will Smith donated his organs to all of these people and they survived. This is an actual movie that was released in Christmas time of the year 2008 from the director of The Pursuit of Happiness. So he was like, this is not only my triumphant follow-up Oscar play, this is a movie that families will want to go see around Christmas time. There's a part where the, all the strangers meet each other towards the end, and Woody Harrelson, he gets Will Smith's eyes, oh and God. so he clearly has like... <laughs> different eyeballs in his head and it's really weird looking it's supposed to be sentimental he killed himself with a jellyfish it is jellyfish suicide yeah and it's an ice bath too so all of his organs will stay refrigerated it is it is one of the most insane things i've ever seen Hey, you know what we should do instead of this podcast write a film right now and sell it like right now if that's the level we're at Jeez. Yeah, if we have Will Smith in our corner, just like, I want to make something saccharine in which I am a literal savior of people. You know, it's like when he was in his, like, Christ phase. It was weird. What do you mean was, Ellen? Well, okay. I don't know. I mean, what I haven't seen that Aladdin movie, right? Like, where he's the genie. And what else has he done recently? Like, orcs, orcs versus cops? Or orcs, orc cop? Bright. Or, Bright. Yeah, that movie was great. Sure, yeah. The orcs looked like orcs. Too bad about everything else. That's the pursuit of happiness. Oh, yeah. He got an Oscar nomination for that movie. I'm waiting for Corey to go, but I actually like that one. It's been too long since you've said that. I actually kind of like that I one. I actually kind of like that one. I did like that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the movie that introduced us to Jaden, so you know we get, we get that out of it. But little like baby Jaden, he was cute. It was a good movie. I mean, it's not a great movie. It was a good movie. Okay, well, enough about Will Smith forever. Um, so we were going to do an interview now, I think, right? Is yeah, that the idea? Sure. We're going to like ask somebody from the audience if they want to be interviewed by, I think, Corey's going to do it. Oh, okay. Also, you like, like, you guys could ask us questions. That might be more that, interesting. That could happen, too. Because like, we're boring, or I'm boring. Well, I don't know. Who wants to come be interviewed? Yeah, also... If things really go south, I have a book called <laughs> Let's Name It, 10,000 Boat Names for All Types of Watercraft. And so, and so I, can just, uh, I can just pull you all out of the, you know, I can give you all a big lift if you need. Like um, Opus 29, um, The Mint Mead, 
or we'll just throw one more out right now. Um, the Klondike. I like that. Yeah. Yes, thank fine. you. That'll be your boat, Rachel. Just keep Klondike. it handy. I feel like we're going to need it. Okay. Got it. Um, do you think there'll be this many people in White Lies, Andy Grace's, you know, podcast? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think at least this <laughs> This thing. time's about 50,000. Sure. And I kind of want to take a photo of the audience just to show it to Andy and be like, I, I Andy, took, this is the difference between you and me. I took a photograph behind you two towards the audience earlier. <laughs> Thank you it's for beautiful. doing that. Can you do the same thing behind Andy later? <laughs> sure. Um, okay, anybody want to uh, come up and be interviewed seriously? Anybody? No. Or ask us questions? No. Questions in the audience? Did Rachel just trash talk Jim Jarmusch? Oh, man. Everybody's uh, so... Everybody told me, like... Yeah, yeah, we just said stop. Please, let's the Jarm- be done with that. Stop a lot of time Jarm- on Jarmusch. Everybody's tired of me talking about Jarmusch. I, Especially when not. for like five minutes I had his hair. And it was, really, it was sort of like I'm just trash talking him, but I had his hair on my head. It was real weird. Like the dead don't die made people like big mad. No, oh, because mm, it makes me Case mad. Case in point. Okay, I kind of so- like that movie. Other questions? Yeah, oh my, no. here we go. Other, any questions from the audience or should Corey and I just like... What don't you like? What don't I like? Oh, what a good question. My mom just asked, what doesn't Corey like? Yeah, so like I, I, got, I guess I kind of picture our... Like you and I are on opposite side, sides of a bell curve. And so you don't like most things, which seems true even if it's not. But I, I think I it is. I don't like most things, you're right. And I, I do like most things. Even... Yeah, so that he doesn't like. Yeah, he doesn't like John Hughes. He doesn't like the Breakfast Club. He doesn't. I came around a little bit on 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 John Hughes because I I watched the John Hughes movies that I had seen, um, Ferris Bueller and and the Breakfast Club. I don't like, but I did watch Pretty in Pink, and I did like. He just said he doesn't like Ferris Bueller, and he doesn't like the Breakfast Club. And I'll stand by it. Yeah, but he doesn't like Sixteen good. Candles either. I haven't seen Sixteen Candles. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's on my, that's in my stack of, of Blu-rays that are about that high. That's for he also hasn't watched Flash, Flash Dance. He hasn't watched Valley Girl. These are things he's gonna hate, y'all. He's gonna hate them. I don't know. Valley I, Girl seems like I would like that because I'm I'm a cage boy. Dang. You know I'm a cage boy. I don't think you're going to. Also, one other thing, Redux, um, the Pretty in Pink. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention in our conversation about it, even though I tried to like. I was trying to get through it because I know I was talking too much on that one. Um, but how weird is that um, James Spader, Andrew McCarthy, um, sort of like subtext there between clearly James Spader's in love with Andrew McCarthy's character. Did you read that on viewing? Yes. It's so strange. Yes, I did. I mean, strange in an awesome way. But, but I, was, I was more distracted by the fact that he's like a, he, he is playing a teenager, right? He's playing a college. That's like a really a, good question. Because he has like a mahogany <laughs> office. And he, in like his I said, home. he drink, he drinks he drinks bourbon like a professional, right. and he you know like walks a decanter on his desk. Mm-hmm. And like, where are the parents when he's just running the mansion? No, I don't know all those things. And like, he's never in class. It's a, like it's maybe that film could be like the sixth sense. Like, is he really a real? Does, he, real? does he exist? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Different, can, we can sit around. We we should start a whole nother podcast, a spinoff about all the things about um, Pretty and Pink that are insane. There are a lot. Yeah, I agree. There are a lot. Um, okay, so some things I don't like. Um, notoriously, actually, nobody disagrees with me on this, though. Even though this guy won, like, two consecutive Academy Awards for Best Director, I really don't like the films of, of Alejandro González Iñárritu. Uh, Birdman, I think, is genuinely terrible. Uh, the Revenant, I'm kind of not... I don't, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it's good. And then Babel and 21 Grams are both 
dreadful too. Um, so I kind of have an allergy to him. Um, I'm not going to argue with any of those. Uh, we, yeah, we've tried I, to like come up with things like those are the things because I, I have this problem comes up. It's not necessarily. Yeah, everything that, I dislike, Rachel also dislikes, which is statistically <laughs> just probable, I guess. Very much. There's um, very little, but there's very, so little that you dislike. Now I will say this: Corey dislikes Cold Mountain. Yeah, we were going to fight about that if we needed to, and we might still, but we could just talk about it. It's a bad movie. Oh, I think we should reserve it for okay. for a fight because I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take take you on with that because sure. I, I told oh, you yeah, that please. like that my wife's in that film. <laughs> you know that my okay. wife's in that film. Why I, would you go after a film that my wife is in? Because she's not infallible. <laughs> Whoa, that is <laughs> not the case. Nicole Kidman is perfection. Yeah, you, we have both seen the Stepford Wives remake and Bewitched, and you're going to sit here and, and say that to me? Those were those are not the best They're examples. They're not her fault. <laughs> but you still can you can still see her in that film, so we're good. No, I know that's such a good question. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, the the fight is is Nicole Kidman completely perfect? And the answer is of course not. And Which the, is what absurd. do you mean? The answer is, of course. That's the fight. Done. No, she's Bye. not Kate Blanchett, so. She married that little man. Ooh. I'm not going to argue you on Kate Blanchett either. Also, perfect. We're good. Um, okay, moving right along. So, maybe one more question or one more. I don't know I what don't this is anymore. Are, what, what is it, this anymore? I don't yeah, know if there's another question. And then we'll just go to Kyle's Corner, which is literal Questions. today. What's your favorite movies of the year so far? Yeah, that's nice. a good one. Nice. Nice. Um, because we, this is another fight we could have. Well, we did have, um, and we, yeah, we have had the the best film of the year is um, is the Nightingale. Yeah, um, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I bet you'll never guess what Corey's favorite film of the year is. Yeah, I bet you never will. Um, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's my favorite. Yeah, blah. Okay, yeah. Bomb there sound we effect. Go. It's great. It's a masterpiece. It's amazing. I and, love and we, it. I've we've seen already it twice. argued about it, but yeah, I lost that argument coming too, out because you know. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, because I don't know. Surrounded by people who don't <laughs> like the same things I do. That that started outgoing in like a much meaner direction, yeah. and then I pulled it, I pulled it out of it. I just decided right. mid sentence. I mean, to generally not go there. Corey's a pretty nice person, so he he tends to you know kind of. No, we we actually had this argument because, to the surprise of no one, I uh, log every single movie I watch and keep a running list of my favorites every year. Uh, which I could pull up here, or I couldn't, but, like, you know, you guys probably, just by looking at me, knew that I already did this. Um, yeah, uh, Joanna Hogg's movie, The Souvenir, is great. I love Jordan Peele's Us. Um, Christian Petzold has a movie called Transit from this year that I really love. Uh, Midsommar, I really love. Under the Silver Lake, which I know you hate. I really it love. It is so bad. That's one we'll argue about later. It is just not Didn't good. did already? No, um, I don't think we did. I think it's unwatchable. The Farewell. I love The Farewell a lot. And, um, and The Nightingale. Yeah. That's, that's in and no particular you hear order. all far down Corey's list. That's in no particular is. order. You put, um, he like actually six. put, um, brace yourself for this one, even though I'm sure some people in the room will agree. You put us above The Nightingale. Yeah. Yeah, it rules. It rules. It's that, uh, that one we will definitely take on in another episode because while it's fine... Uh, I don't like it really. You know, ultimately, it's just okay. 
Yeah. Later, later. Right. Mm. Yeah. There's problem. There's definitely problems. I mean, look, he he made a movie that I contend will be like studied forever. His first time out, he wrote a screenplay that I think is one of those like instantly classic, perfect screenplays in Get Out. And like, you know, his follow-up's a little messier, but I think it's it's just as, if not a little more ambitious um, and trying to tackle some, some big subjects too without, you know, repeating himself. So, you know, at least on that level, you know, I'm, I'm into it, but I also think he pulls it off. I don't know. I agree. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll that revisit. Is, that's a nice thing to hear. <laughs> We'll revisit Cause, that. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm really sweating up here. <laughs> Me standing, standing by the Nightingale, and you, I mean, clearly you like the film. But, yeah. Um, it's but, my favorite film in the lineup this right, year. Right. But, you, but you're, you know, his answer is six films and mine is one. There you go. <sighs> yeah, Corey, I, Corey I mean, likes a lot of stuff. I like a lot of stuff. I, got, I could keep going. What? Because movies are good. Movies are good. Movies Thank are you. Good, Thank and you, are Kathleen, also my wife. <laughs> For agreeing, um, yeah, I could keep going. We've argued about a lot of this stuff, though. Like Claire Denis' High Life, I think is great. Yeah, we argued about that already. Yeah. You're not, you're it's not hot on that. The, no. It's got your, it's got your boy Edward in it, though. Yeah, I'm team, I'm team Edward, but it doesn't mean I have to like High Life. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, just you're okay. missing out. You're missing out. By the way, my mom, um, I don't know if you're Team Edward. Never watch that movie. Never watch High Life. Ever, please. I, I can't, I'm actually like I think I'm just because I'm brain dead drawing a blank of anything else I would throw out as sort of the best films of the year. Even though I will say I'm I'm really happy with the lineup this year. I think there's so yeah. much good stuff in the lineup, and really this is a great year for indies. I, I will say I have been to the um, theater you know a good bit as always, and I don't you know I I just feel like there hasn't been a ton I've left the theater super excited about. Um, but I've been super excited about a lot of the films that we screened this year for the festival. Yeah, I mean, with with relatively few exceptions, it's been kind of a you know mixed bag of a blockbuster season over the summer. I mean, I like those Marvel movies just because, again, this is who I am. Um, and you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the aforementioned Tarantino film is a masterpiece. But other than that, like. Oh, oh, heaving side. There it is. I um, mean, <laughs> I don't. But other than that, I mean, I think that's why I want to see it. I don't. I don't have anything against him, but throwing around the word masterpiece. Is, he loves. Yep. Oh, he's he's doing that to be provocative, though. I, I don't. I'm genuinely I, not. I'm genuinely not. This is how I feel. I'm sorry. I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not sorry. Yeah, I'm all right with it. Yeah, I forgot that was in the rule book. Don't do that. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> all right, any other questions? And then we're moving to Kyle's Corner. Uh, that's a new song for you, Kyle. Kyle's Corner. You like it? Kyle? Tell and Gloria's Bastards had a flashback with a voiceover, too, that worked really well. Which yeah, one? With Samuel L. Jackson oh, doing a voiceover. So now we'll go to Kyle's Corner, where Kyle talks about whatever the heck he wants to. <laughs> he, he's literally in a corner right now, by the way. 
um, this will be an interesting one because we're not separated by glass and I because um, usually for me it's like um, it, it's almost like a weird kind of therapy session almost <laughs> where it's just like I'm like just you know it's like I get to say stuff out loud without worrying about you know people talking back to me or judging me and stuff so um, we'll see how this one goes. Hey, it, spoiler alert, not well. They'll talk to you <laughs> and about you while you're talking. <laughs> so um, I had this idea, and I don't know if this is like a really well-hashed-out idea or not, but um, it's about the director, William Friedkin. Um, you know him from classics like The Exorcist. He directed The Exorcist and The French Connection, as well as like like kind of like minor, minor masterpieces like, uh, like To Live and Die in LA. And then there's some other films that some people really, really fight for and a lot of people really dislike too, but um, they're definitely worth kind of seeing is like um, Cruising and, um, from 1980 and also The Sorcerer, which was his remake of Wages of Fear. And so over the years, I've, I've read a biography on him and I've also I have listened to a lot of his audio commentaries on DVDs, and I I think he's like um, I he's one of those directors that I can't totally like he doesn't have like a particular style that I would say like oh that's William Friedkin I think like the one unifying thread between his films is that he really wants you to feel uncomfortable um, or just like not happy <laughs> at all and um, and. I don't know what that has to say about his character, but he's also like a really, really stubborn director. Um, and, uh, and he also kind of sounds like when you hear him talk, he kind of sounds like Donald Trump a little bit, like, but like kind of channeling uh, like, a, like a director, like kind of like Donald Trump trying to sound like Peter Bogdanovich kind of. Um, and so I'm actually gonna play you an excerpt so you get to know what I'm talking about. But um, point is, I've found like three quick little stories of him that uh, they, they, they demonstrate how stubborn he is and just the great links he'd go to to get his way. But the one weird thing about all three of these stories is it has to do with dressing up and how he's dressed. So um, the first of these is from the book Easy Riders Raging Bulls, really great uh, book about 1970s Hollywood. And so William Friedkin uh, once worked on an episode as a guest director on Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And here's what happened there. On Friedkin's first day of shooting, and I'm reading from the book, by the way. Uh, uh, on Friedkin's first day of shooting, Hitchcock came to the set of the film and his, uh, to, came to set film his introduction to the series. I'm not reading that right. Blah. Uh, his only words to the young director were, Mr. Friedkin, you're not wearing a tie. Friedkin thought he was joking, but he wasn't. Always the take no prisoners iconoclast, Friedkin said later, I don't give a flying bleep about him, and I'm not a worshiper of his, nor have I ever set out to emulate him, he said. But I'm glad that people deify directors because I make more money that way. Five or six years later, he ran into Hitchcock at a DGA awards ceremony for the French Connection. He walked up to the great man's table, snapped his bow tie in front of his nose and said, how'd you like the tie, Hitch? And of course, Hitchcock didn't remember the incident at all. <laughs> and so when he was remaking The Wages of Fear, he went way over budget. He shot Sorcerer in the Jungle in South America 
and um, casted mostly European actors. And um, when the studio had, oh, he also fired a ton of people. Like it just became, he was kind of like one of those reckless directors. It was just like, uh, he got to a point where like any small mishap, it's like, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Not also unlike Donald Trump. But um, he, uh, he showed the movie to his executives who just thought it was a mess. And uh, it, flash forward a little bit later, it would open the week after Star Wars opened. And so Star Wars did um, kind of well. And so Sorcerer kind of played and then just went like that. But let me see if I can find, I think I just lost my page. Here we go. Um, so uh, his producers called a meeting with him. And this is, uh, I'll try to read this really fast. I feel like I might be just like an energy drain right now, so let's just see what happens. Um, so they asked us a meeting with the director, a lunch in the private dining room at Universal. Freakin recalls, at that time I thought I was invincible and I thought that any notes that were gonna come from Scheinberg and Dillard, those are the producers, were not gonna be of any value. Freakin asked Smith and Green to accompany him. That is uh, Buddy Smith, his editor, and um, Waylon Green, his screenwriter asked them to accompany him to the lunch, insisting that Green, who had been working on a house, wear bib overalls splattered with paint. He explained, I want to show utter disrespect to these people. Billy himself was dressed like a gas station attendant in workman's co uh, coveralls. He told his pals, these guys operate through intimidation. They talk and you listen, and they expect you to nod your head at what they say. I want you guys to remember one thing. No matter what they say, even if you like the suggestions you hear, do not nod your head. Don't look at them in the eye. Just stare at their ears. And if they say, if they say can such and such be done, we're going to say, yeah, sure, but we're going to have to get up, uh, we're going to have to gear up again and get the whole company back and reshoot. Uh, so they went to lunch. Smith placed a Sony tape recorder on the tablecloth as if he were going to record everything they said. There was no tape, no batteries. The waiter came by and said, anyone want anything to drink? Iced tea, Coke, Diet Pepsi? Let me have some vodka, Freakin replied. A glass? No. A bottle of Smirnoff. Would you like some ice? No. Freakin didn't drink, and he swigged vodka right out of the bottle. His complexion turned ruddy. They, they had already shot for 11 months, cut and screened the film. It was too late in the day for any major changes, but Diller and Scheinberg had a long list of tweaks. Uh, and so basically, I'll, I'll try to cut forward. They said, um, we don't really see, we can never really tell how far the truck has been driving through the jungle. Could you maybe show the odometer? And Freakin says, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Um, yeah, all we need to do is gear up and get the actors and, uh, and go to the Din Dominican Republic. They're like, wait, why do you need to do that? We can just do that here. And he says, I don't shoot inserts. Uh, towards the end of the lunch, Scheinberg proudly showed him an ad line the studio had prepared. Friedkin simply pitched forward in his seat and fell on the floor. And he completely passed out wearing a gas station outfit. And, that, uh, and then they, uh, they just kind of completely lost any say they had in that movie ever since. Um, so lastly, uh, he did a lot of personal research on the movie Cruising, which Cruising is kind of a controversial movie because um, it... It was filmed in the late 70s. Uh, it just happened to be filmed during the time that the gay rights movement was really, really kicking into place. And it was a movie that dealt with a series of murders that happened um, in the gay community in New York. And so there was kind of a backlash, and, and it was kind of infamous for like people kind of protesting uh, during the shoot and trying to make sure they couldn't get any good audio and such. 
But um, like, I kind of think his his, I think his he was. I think it was just really maybe a bad idea to make that movie, even though I kind of think his. He, he really, really didn't mean any disrespect. He did quite a bit of um, research as well, which I'm going to relate to you. Um, he, this is where he tells us on the commentary track to Cruising about uh, how he would go into nightclubs with his producers. Um, this is pretty amazing. But he follows Forbes and attempts to make content. So this is the tail end of what he's talking about. He's about to go into it. Before I made the film, I would go into the club and I went in on dress code nights. I had a dress the way the, the dress code called for. I remember having to strip down to my jockstrap and socks on jockstrap night. And everyone else was in a jockstrap. And everyone else there had these incredible bodies. You know, they were really physically in great shape. And I was... And I was easily the ugliest guy in the room. Nope. Nobody, I'm sorry, I missed that. Nobody hit on me. So there he was, going undercover, going to jockstrap night. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I'd, also, I'd like to thank uh, our friend Splash96 for uh, recording that entire commentary track for me. Um, he did that at a, a second's notice, and I was very appreciative of that. So. That's Kyle's corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh. This is where Corey goes. Kyle McKinnon is a features programmer yeah. for the Sidewalk Film Festival. Just pretend I said that. I, what I was going to say is Sorcerer is great. <laughs> and it's got a really good Tangerine Dream score. I Surprise, like, Corey likes a movie. I like that score a lot, too. Well, on that uh, note of Corey likes a movie, are there any other, like... No, I'll pose you a question well, because I want to hear if you like a movie, just one, so just a rare. single it's movie. So rare. Um, are there any like notoriously uh, disowned or or just like massive failures that you have a soft spot for? Well, of course. I mean, probably a ton. I mean, I think that that's what you like to come at me about. Right. You know? Like. I mean, I clearly love Valley Girl, not just because... Yeah, but that's not like a... I mean, like... Oh, people think that the, movie's pretty darn bad. In the annals of, of screen history, like something like Sorcerer or Cruising. Ishtar. I love he, Ishtar. Corey that's a, that's loves an example. Ishtar. That's an example. Nah, I can't go there. Um, Waterworld, not, not so much. But like Ishtar or David Lynch's Dune, which I like a lot. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like anything like that. Not that I can think of, but yeah. I mean, probably like a ton, you know, I'm saying like a ton of stuff. Like, I feel like I like a lot of stuff that people probably don't, you know, isn't really held up as being very good. Mm. Um, that <laughs> I think that Ishtar should be called out all the time. Just scream that every three minutes. Um, I don't know. Are you getting at something in particular? No, I'm just that, thinking about Sorcerer, which I think is genuinely like one of Friedkin's best movies, and it did nothing. Um, you know, it got me thinking about that. Another thing I like about William Friedkin, by the way, is that on these commentaries or when he's interviewed, he says, um, he, he puts the emphasis on the word Ray in Blu-ray. So he'll say, he'll say Blu-ray. And it's just, it's <laughs> really cool. strange. Yeah, he's a, he's a weird guy, but um, he's a delight too. I mean, I think I probably still hold a lot of love for problematic films and yeah. can acknowledge that they're problematic and still like can't seem to let them go. 
Um, and that, that's a much longer conversation that we're clearly not going to have on this particular podcast. Um, but you know, like I, I like Sixteen Candles is an example of that. Like I really love Sixteen Candles. Is that film intensely problematic? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, another film that like that gets trashed a lot that I generally love, and you know where I'm going probably is Twilight. Like I love the Twilight series. I will argue. My mom Whoa. just started applauding really thank you, loudly thank at you, that. Corey's mom. I will argue that the, that, the, that the last Twilight film is as good as any other action film that's out in the last 10 years. What? <laughs> Told you. So, so Look, it's, how what, uh, okay. Look how mad all right, everybody's all right, getting. All right. I just Look want, how I mad just want everybody's to, getting. Let me clarify this. Let me clarify this. You're saying, you're saying Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2 Mad Max Fury Road somewhere under no, that? No, 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 no. That's a... That's, no, a, that's, that's an insane thing to say. That's, that's not fair. That's just you being a bully. That's not oh. fair. <laughs> what about any of that? Hey, you know that, uh, that oh. toilet in which the born identity lives? Any of that shit. I just want to point out that everybody got the irony of what you just said. <laughs> everybody got it. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Isn't it fun? We, we have uh, a question from the audience. What? Sorry. About Twilight? Yeah. We only answer questions about Twilight now. <laughs> it's totally okay. It's okay with Corey. Uh, it's not actually. But on the, on the kind of the point of problematic films and then also Friedkin in, in the 70s and Tarantino's come up, there's been these filmmakers that have kind of been tyrants, you know, and have yeah. become problematic in and of themselves. How... Do you see that that is a trend that's changing? No, I don't think that's a trend. Tyrant, I think it's tyrant a tr- filmmakers. I think it's a trend that's changing. That um, no, I mean we look. We had a conversation actually right before this that was like, do we get we talk like if we if nobody from the audience if nobody from the five people in the audience want to argue with us, then like what are we are going to argue about? And we're we're both brain dead, so we're having trouble. But we we're like. We could argue about Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck is, no, I'm just going to say it, Casey Affleck notoriously, whether he's a good actor or not, which I'm not going to argue that, but he's notoriously like a predator. That dude is a predator. And, I mean, people we know and friends of ours put him in movies. And I don't, I mean, I'm sorry, but that dude is a predator. Yeah. And so, like, what do we do with that? I don't know. I still love my friends. I still love my friends' films. I still program those films. I don't know what to do. I, I'm, like, up against a wall with it, y'all. Mm. It's tough. Yeah. And Brian Singer, you know, or something. Right. right. Well, see, Casey Casey Affleck is is like is a white is an attractive white guy, so he gets away with a lot of shit because of that. I would I would argue that. That's why Corey gets away with it. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yeah, there's some question of, about Casey Affleck's attractiveness too. So. Rachel yeah. looks like him, so she can't say anything about it. Oh, oh wow. here we go. Wow. Image I don't think search, that was picked up on mic search. for people to listen to later, but I want to record that for history, which is uh, that, that it was just said that, that Rachel and Casey Affleck look very similar. <laughs> There's a couple of photos out there. It's weird. Um, but moving right along. Moving right along. I mean, I, do, do auteurs still get a pass for bad behavior just because they're auteurs? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, th- I feel like that's fairly common still. I don't know. But I mean, I, we also talked about, we were like Christian Bale, like we like Christian Bale is also like clearly a tyrant and a maniac and like a maybe like get, 
you know, get out of my line of sight while I'm I'm doing a scene. Like that. I, I've, yeah, I've heard a little bit of insight into that particular freakout. Yeah. yeah, and it's like and and I've heard from a different perspective about it. It's not my unique perspective, but it's that um, like if uh, I think it was maybe Tom Sharpling that said it, but it was just like that DP was notorious for. Um, really kind of being in the way like and he's not it wasn't just like a cameraman or anything this is like the dp that gets paid millions of dollars for these um huge films and he was notorious for trying to interject himself uh way too much into the process including in this case just kind of like being in the line of shot when bale is uh trying to like act to a robot like trying like really really hard to give his best chops possible um, to like the most ridiculous thing in his way, and then so all, all of a sudden you have somebody that's like uh, allegedly been just kind of like disruptive on the set already. Uh, I think it just got to a point where it was it was the breaking point, um, and that's I mean I I don't know much about Christian Bale outside of that, so I don't know if there's yeah. any other freakouts he's had, but I there mean, are probably, there's yeah. the like recorded yeah. conversation to his sister mother or something. something I, there's like a lot there's some Christian Bale freakouts, and I mean I think there's always you know. Yeah, like do can maybe maybe, you know maybe that's a was excusable. But at the same time, I will say this, and that is that if you name any Hollywood actress behave that way on set, she would be an absolute bitch. Everybody, you know, it's like get da da da. Don't look at black. Right. Well, yeah, like Faye Dunaway just got fired publicly. Why do you want to do this? Show. See, you know darn well that I can't even defend Faye Dunaway because she insulted my wife, Nicole Kidman. Wait, what are you talking about? I don't so, know what this is. Yeah. What, well, do you, what, do you, what is that? I've got the Us Magazine brain, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, anyway, moving right along. We've gone down a list of a, of a ton like a of problematic folks and we, we kind of don't know what to do with and we're, you know, almost like not comfortable arguing about it because it's so, you know. Yeah, like nobody like, wants to take Casey Affleck's side up here. No, like, and... I call him my problematic fave because I love the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, and I love Manchester by the Sea, and he's an asshole, and I don't know what to do with that. What do I do with that? I mean, he's not just an asshole, everybody. There's like a lot of well, assholes. Right, I, I know, a... I know, I know. It's just, yeah, I don't know what to do yep. other than just not, you know, be supportive of that dude anymore. Right. I think he's a douche. <laughs> I don't watch his movies, not because of the. I mean, just I just stop there and just say, nah, yeah, pass. Right. I'm kind of closed-minded like that, though. Yeah. Um, maybe that's it. I don't know. Anything else? Yeah, cool note to end on. Oh uh, no! <laughs> if it's just uh, a... I have a great boat name for y'all. Okay. Laminated entity. <laughs> Thank you. That's better than Corey offers ambiguous support to possible sex offender. <laughs> Oh man, I actually prefer that ending. Um, okay, so yeah, unless there's any last things with our wonderful live show here, we'll wrap up and say that I'm we're your personal cinematic Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. Which one am I? You're Courtney Cox, of course. Yeah, that, that's great. That's of close. Course. That's close enough. Yeah. See my right. prompt? I've got an acting prompt right now that I'm doing that's Jennifer Aniston-like that you can't see on the podcast. Yeah, we were we were talking about arguing about Jennifer Aniston and then we realized that neither of us like her at all. So, oops. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. The I think casting directors, I guess. A, I don't know. Based on, the, based on the success of Friends, probably a lot of people like her. Did y'all see that movie Cake? Did anybody see that movie Cake? It's this little indie thing where she's like, I have chronic pain. Yeah, I've seen it. And 
Oh my God. Yeah. That movie is terrible. Yeah, it's just like Jennifer. It's like Jennifer Aniston, but she's sick. She's like, I, and she goes around like talking to Anna Kendrick, who's playing a ghost or something. Yeah. I, I think know. that you just mix that up with Personal Shopper. Anyway, um, that's a great film. Yeah. It's a, anyway, it's a great yeah. Film. No, I don't. I just I like my Jennifer Aniston on a billboard selling me water. Other than that, yeah. Okay, Courtney yeah. Cox, we're out of here. Uh, Thank right. you to, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks to Boutwell Studios yeah, who thanks, are here guys. in the back and put up with, uh, listen to what they put up with, y'all. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd, I'd like to say this was, this was shaggier <laughs> than usual, but honestly, <laughs> it's not usually much better than this. So if you like the podcast, it's an, almost entirely thanks to those guys making it sound like we know what we're doing. I love the podcast. Well, thank you. Was that my mom? <laughs> also, Kerrigan's pu- uh, Public House helped sponsor this event. So, Wait, say that again? Kerrigan's. Kerrigan's sponsored this event? I saw it on the site. Kerrigan's offered money to us <laughs> for us to sit up here and, and do... I'm so sorry. I'm going <laughs> I'm to go like spend some money at Kerrigan's later and help... like. Give it back. Yeah, agreed. Well, thanks to Kerrigan's for that, and um, you know, listen to the podcast. It's on iTunes and stuff, and uh, or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now. And um, yeah, hang out with us on social media too, and you know, tweet at Rachel sometimes that she's wrong in those arguments because she needs to be brought down a peg or two. Our hashtag is hashtag Corey is wrong. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.